With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Oh, really? This is what we're starting with? Wow. Oh, come on. Don't do that to Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher Lean. coming back to make a run at 7, 8, or it's 8, 8, and 1. It would be 7, 9, and 1, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be it? I thought he was Mr. 7 and 9, well, not 8 I and mean, eight. anything that equals 17, we could do anything. You could do 8, 8, 8, and 1, right? 8, 8, and 1, 7, 9, and 1, 7, That's and 10. That's going to be weird. No more. Listen, no more. Just non-winning, non-losing seasons. You're going to be, you're going to be nine and eight or eight and nine, unless you finish eight, eight and one. You're Don't on. do that to Jeff Fisher to start a, a Wednesday morning. What if he's watching? Well, either I, on I Peacock or on NBCSN, and then he's going to go to Twitter and he's going to make some snarky comment. Jeff, I had nothing to do with that. That that's Pete Demolitis at Pete Demolitis. Good luck spelling his name. Yeah. I don't know how to either. No. But that's the guy who did this. Not me. Not Chris Sims. I would that's never awful, do it. Pete. I'd take a bullet for Jeff Fisher. I mean, that's my guy. Jeff Fisher, I mean, he he basically saved my career. He gave me a chance to, like, somewhat get healthy after I lost my spleen. I went to the Tennessee Titans. They brought me there. He could see I wasn't totally 100% myself. And he really got the training staff to take like a real invested interest in me to help me get better. So like, and no, no joke. Like I'm pissed at you, Pete. How dare you do that to Jeff Fisher? How dare you? Did, did you say invested? 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 I should say vested, vested. interest. There vested. we go. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. That close. Hey, either way, uh, they were invested in me. Thank you. That's true. Yeah, I mean they pay they paid a guy who couldn't play. Right. I mean that that's yeah, I could I I, I would I would uh, invite Jeff Fisher at every holiday dinner after that one. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> but it, yes, he made a huge mistake is right, but at least he tried to correct it. He tried to write it. Well, uh, the bottom line is 17 games is finally here. And, and Chris, the NFL has wanted this for a long time time a very long time well over a decade the commissioner used to make the case for more regular season games by attacking the quality of the preseason with four games and the response was like well you know the preseason stinks i mean from his his logic was uh, sorry i misspoke now you know four preseason games really not indicative of the quality of nfl football so let's just move the the, the needle yeah we've always had 20 always had 20 We've had 14 and 6 until 1978. Six preseason games. Can you imagine six preseason games? No. And then they just moved it to 16 and 4. So let's just move it to 18 and 2. That was the argument. Glossing over the fact that it's two extra games that count. Two extra games of high intensity. Two extra games, as you said yesterday, where the starters don't make a cameo appearance and then stand on the sidelines eating right. hot dogs for the rest of the game. Right. These are real games. So... They made that push, Chris, just at the time the NFL was forced by Congress to begin to take brain trauma seriously. There was too much of an incongruity there. You couldn't reconcile 
more regular season games with the NFL's epiphany regarding health and safety. And it it fell apart, but it didn't go away. They still wanted it. They as and they still want 18. They won't say it right now yeah, as they do the victory there. lap on 17, but it's going there. For now, though, it's 17. We knew this was coming. It wasn't news over the weekend when ESPN tweeted it was expected to happen. Of course it was expected to happen. It's been expected to happen since the ink dried on the CBA from March of 2020 that gave the NFL the ability to do it. They've wanted it for years, and now, Chris, they have it. Yeah, they have it. Uh, I mean, listen, as a fan, it, it's one more week of entertainment. I love that. There's no doubt about it. You know you know my concerns as far as, yes, it is an extra game. It's a bunch of extra car crashes for certain guys, right? And it, and it could be the difference, one extra game, whatever it may be, and, you know, dictating your health, how you are next year, all of those type of things. But either way, I'm excited for it. I am. I mean – you know, uh, more football, more fun. I'm, I'm all for it in, in all ways. I really am. And to add the extra little wrinkle to the schedule that we think we're going to hear or, or, or know about as far as, you know, the one crossover conference game and things like that, um, it, it all makes sense. And I always thought this was going to happen. You know, I'll say Big Phil, you know, my dad, he was the one that was tweeting this out not long ago. What was that? Two years ago. And the players were like, oh, that's crazy. We had him crazy. on the show. Yeah. We had him on the show. Right. You're, you're he crazy, said they will Big agree Phil. to do it. Right. And here we are. You know, so he was right about this one. But um, I, I, there's got to be, I think, more conversation about an 18th game than there was about a 17th game. The players got to realize what they're signing up for here right now. I don't know if everybody all the players realized what they voted for and signed up for for this extra game, as well, you can obviously tell. Plenty of them voted against it. Yes, right. Plenty voted against the CBA in March of 2020. It didn't pass by a significant margin, and there was a period of time where, despite the endorsement of NFLPA Executive Director D. Smith, the NFLPA Board of Directors, the Board of Player Reps, and they kind of went back and forth a little bit, but the final vote ended up being very, very close, and they, they all had their opportunity, they all had a voice, and now the outcome of that vote was new CBA, new CBA includes 17 games. But Chris, here's something important to keep yeah, in mind. right. Because there's a faction of media that just loves to criticize everything NFLPA leadership does. This imbalance is not a product of NFLPA leadership. It's a reality of the NFLPA rank and file, and it dates back to 1987, the last time the players tried to strike. Well, they did strike. Yeah. They just didn't strike for very long because right. the NFL went out and got replacements, and the game went on, and then players from the union started to cross the picket line, and it all fell apart. If the players will not utilize the nuclear option in labor relations, which is accepting a work stoppage, whether it's one they initiate via a strike or one they tolerate via a lockout and miss games, lose checks. If they won't do it and the owners will, there's always going to be an imbalance. So, Chris, if let's go alternative history here. Sure, right. If the union had voted down the CBA in March of 2020, yeah. what would be happening now is a lockout, off-season lockout, because the NFL was going to do whatever it had to do to get to 17 games. And it would have locked the players out for the entire offseason. They would have done a deal in early August because the players don't want to miss game checks and they would have agreed to 17 games. It's that simple. Yeah. They were getting 17 games. Yeah. The question was, are we doing it the easy way or are we doing it the hard way? Yeah, I mean, I, I agreed. I mean, I, I, I mean, yes, this seemed like it was inevitable no matter what. The players are never going to be able to strike and do the things the hard way. That's not going to happen. The players, it's one of the, the NFLPA, it's one of the weakest unions in, in, in all of, you know, in all professions. Uh, but, I, it's, it, but it's the nature of the rank and file, not leadership, because the players I, uh, will not skip I, game I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, that, that is the problem. It has nothing to do with the leadership. It has to do with, as a player, you know you only got a certain amount of years to play football and collect checks. And, yeah, more times than not, Guys that are young don't want to sacrifice this, right? Hey, here I am. I'm 20. I'm only 24 once, you know. I only got a few years to where I can really run 4-4 and, and be at my highest, you know, physical peak ability. 
So I don't want to strike or miss out on that, let alone the amount of players who, yeah, come from nothing financially, have no money. They're not willing to sit out and make nothing when a lot of the times guys are supporting you know, their moms, their dads, their cousins, their uncles, their brothers, their sisters. I mean, I know my father had to deal with some of that. And his story's not nearly as bad as some others. So from that standpoint, yeah, it'll never change because I don't think the players will ever draw that concrete line in the sand and say, no, we're not coming to work for a long enough time to, to scare the owners. You would have been about like five or six, seven years seven old. Seven years old. What do you remember about the stress in the household during the strike in 87? I remember like it was the year after they won the Super Bowl. And I can remember, I really do my dad being bothered that it was going to affect their run. And then I can sit there and remember watching games with them going, this is so weird. And look at this guy in a giants uniform. He looks like he was at the bar yesterday <laughs> eating chips and beer. Okay. And then I also remember Lawrence Taylor crossing over. If you remember, you know, and they're playing the Buffalo Bills. I could still remember sitting in our family room with my father watching Lawrence Taylor play the Buffalo Bills and one of those drunken guys that was in a in a bar with beer and chips the night before gave him a concussion. Uh, but it, it derailed the Giants' chance that year to have a repeat championship because they didn't get good scab players and those things. But uh, it definitely added a little tension in the house. I can remember that year. And, and that was the year that Washington had a plan right. for the replacements, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl in part because they went 3-0 and during that run, helped position them for the postseason. What kind of tension, lingering animosity because Lawrence Taylor crossed the picket line? Did that linger once the players returned and the strike ended? I, I don't think so, and I've had some conversations with, with Dad about this stuff after, after it was all said and done. I mean, one, he was Lawrence Taylor, you know, so nobody was going to say a whole lot to him as far as that was concerned. But like two, hey, that's the one thing in the NFL. It's like to each his own. You know, everybody's got their own problems, their own issues, the own things they got to deal with. And not everybody could sit there financially and, and not make money for six or seven weeks or anything like that. So I don't remember animosity uh, in any way, you know, towards towards Lawrence. More of like, hey, he's got to do what he's got to do. And then that's that's that is what it is. And let me give you a quick example, because this is not an indictment of professional football players. Yeah. I think anyone in that situation would feel the same right. way. In a normal factory, and let's say you make tires, it's a tire factory, right. and there's a union, and they go on strike, right? The factory shuts down. Well, the tire orders are still there. The work is still there. They shut down for a month. They go back, and what do they do? They start picking up extra shifts. They start picking up overtime. They have an opportunity to make back a lot of the money that they lost during the strike because the work is still there. Right. With football, those games go by. They're gone. They're, They're never gone coming back. Right. Or, or replacements come in and, and play the football games. You're never going to make that money again, and the paychecks are so much more significant than in a normal union setting. You just can't say no, and you throw in the dynamic of, I only got so many years to play football. Next year, there's a whole new crop of college players coming in that are going to be competing for my job. I need to continue to develop as a player. I need to continue to take advantage of my ability while I still have it. That's why the imbalance is there. And frankly, Chris, I said this to Peter King last night when we were working through this angle as to the reality that 17 was coming, whether the union wanted it or not. Yeah. I'm surprised the owners don't take more advantage of that imbalance than they do. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. They, they, they could. They could probably get away with more than what they do. Uh, maybe they don't want to seem like, you know, total greedy pigs that way. I don't know. But you're right. The players are powerless. And, Mike, I can just speak from experience as far as in the locker room and things like that. You know, there's very few guys that really give a damn, you know, quite frankly, in the locker room about a lot of these issues. It's usually a small group of guys that really care, and then they're trying to inform the rest of the locker room and rally some guys to understand, you know, the gravity of the situation or any of that. But most of the guys in the locker room are just, oh, I don't give a damn. Oh, the player rep will figure it out, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Just tell me when I need to, you know, play football. 
but that that's that's a big issue too and it goes into all the things we've talked about and and, and yes I don't think it's going to change because I don't think the players are going to wake up to these type of things and all the circumstances we brought up they're certainly not going to change with being young in the prime of your career the financial issues all of that so uh, yeah the, the the owners the owners have the ultimate power more power in this sport than any other sport in our country and I'm with you. It's going to 18 games, and it's going to Super Bowl on President's Day weekend. And ultimately, I mean, I love that idea. I just want to make sure the players are properly compensated for, for what they're going to go through to, to, to make all this happen and make all this money for the NFL owners. Even with 17 games, assuming that 17 games lasts as long as 16 games did, which I will not no assume. No way, right. But, but there naturally will be president's day weekend super bowl on the years where the super bowl lands on february 14 because that makes the next day the third monday in february which makes it president's day so it will happen 2027 2038 2044 2049 2055 and i realized i turned 90 in 2055 so Whoa. hopefully i'm around to see that happen Whoa. but if if they go to 18 it happens in all the other years. Right. And in those years I just mentioned, it would be President's Day weekend before the Super Bowl. I mean, okay. But still, I think that's the way to do it. I mean, yeah, yeah, it won't lay out perfectly every year. But the 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 just the grandness of the Super Bowl and what it's become for our country. And all of us want to have fun and drink a little bit and eat, you know, all or the food and yeah, a lot. Right. I mean, yes, we all and nobody wants to get up to go to school or go to work or do any of that. So that would be great to have that Monday off and just have it be a big national holiday weekend. I mean, come on. What's more American right now than, you know, NFL football? It's about as good as it gets uh, as far as that's concerned. I don't think there's a sport that's more identified with our country right now than NFL football. That's for sure. So I like all that. I do. Are there any other unintended consequences or anything about this that we're not thinking about with 17 games, the playoffs, anything like that, that you think can arise from this situation? Well, because it creates an imbalance in home in a way, the smart thing, the easy thing yeah. for the NFL to do, and this is what pointed to that extra game being an interconference game, right? Which actually, which actually builds a little more equity into the schedule because it's another game where, based on how you finished in your division, and currently there's only two games on the schedule that are driven by where you finished in the division the year before. Now there'll be a third game that your opponent finished in the same spot you did and that's how the formula applies and yeah. it's all AFC teams at home this year in those interconference games gotcha. all NFC teams on the road so there won't be a situation where some teams in a conference have nine home games some have eight and when you've got seven playoff spots up for grab three wild cards it doesn't matter what division you're in it's fair and it's proper to have all of the teams yeah. in one conference have the same number of home games now some of those home yeah. games will become international games, but they were anyway. Right. They were anyway. So you're either having seven home games or, or eight home games. Now it's going to be eight home games or nine home games, true home games in whichever conference you're in. And I think, you know, obviously this is a path to having more neutral site or international games. And ideally, all of those extra games would end up being played somewhere other than the home team stadium. You've got 16 games now. You've got more inventory. Right. So what do they think there? Like in England all, or wherever? They're going to try to make all those type of games and an international flavor, something like that. You think that's where they're headed with this too? To where that extra game is going to be Mexico, whatever, like you're saying? You think there's a chance or a possibility of that? I saw something where starting at some point, all teams in one division will have an international home game. So you don't have... That, that, hey, you know, one of the teams is only playing eight home games this year. The others yeah. all get nine. The extra, they'll all get, they'll all get a, a, an international neutral site home game to balance that out. But, you know, you got to find enough venues. You got to yeah, be ready right. to stage 16 that's games say. Right. elsewhere. Right. And it's you could put all of them in London, and London's not ready for 16. The most London's ever going to have is eight. That's what simulates having a team. 
Yeah, right? right? We got eight home games, just like anyone else. We just see different different teams every week instead of the same team, which I think would actually be that'd be kind of that. I'd kind of like that. Yeah, if I'm in London, right? Because then you don't get saddled with some crap team that you have to go right. see every week. You don't have to become a Vikings you, you, fan or something like that. You can exactly. move from them all exactly, <laughs> or the Giants since 2011. But uh, that's because Chris is a Giants fan. Oh. Sorry, other Giants fans. I had to get it back to him. But. Um, it, it, it just gives them something to work with. But, you know, that's not the driving force for this. Creating inventory right. for international games isn't what pushed this. I know. What made this go over the top, and they wanted it even before the Supreme Court opened the floodgates for legalized gambling. But this is all about the push for more inventory. We need more games that people can wager on, either before the game starts or during the game. We've talked about the play-by-play opportunities to cast bets on your cell phone device because you're getting real-time pictures, every play, every prop, everything, every drive, a dollar here, a dollar there. It's more and more and more and more and more money for the NFL. They want to increase inventory. That's why they're going to want to go to 18. Yeah. And, Chris, the next frontier is to add teams. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. That's the question after the Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day of the week we're talking about, 18 games is finally here. The spin it forward will be when will there be 34 teams, when will be, there be 36 teams, because they're going to keep looking for ways to have more games. And that's a better way to have more games because it doesn't put more stress and strain on the bodies of any one group of players because well, it's just more teams playing the the already existing number of games. Sure, sure. I, I mean, I hear you there. I mean uh... – uh, I, I guess I, I worry, hey, uh, injuries, all of those type of things, you know, will the players be fairly compensated through that for two extra games? I mean, th- those are the things I worry about. I, I, I don't know. Um, I ha- Oh, but here's but the other already, thing. They're already, I know. they're already sharing the pie. The bigger the pie, the more they get. And then it all gets so it doesn't really matter salary cap. But here's the right. So, all they, right. so here's, they're getting they're getting their fair share, no matter what, of however much money the NFL makes. I know. See, but but to me, it should be like a little and then some because again, right. it's the risk has gone up significantly more for one side as compared to the other. That's where I just that's where I don't think it should just be apples to apples. Again, this is going to end people's careers a little shorter especially when we get to the 18 game thing that it is it's going to affect careers which is going to affect 401ks and all of those type of things as well but either way that's a different conversation for a different moment the other thing too is at what point do we talk about an extra bye week or something like that too you know, I, I remember a time, right, where was that was that 93 or 92, one of those 93 years? was the year. Right, where they did the double bye week, right? And to me, that's got to be something that probably if you're going to ask teams to play 18 games or 17 games and everything like that and their regular season football games, that, yeah, another, another week of rest for the players is certainly something that I, I would think gets talked about here at some point. I, I remember July of 2019 when – for whatever reason, and I think the reason was the NFL and the NFLPA were approaching the commencement of negotiations that culminated in the CBA in March of 2020. This talk came up out of nowhere for 18 games, 18 games. They're going to be 18 games. Will it be 18 games? And Mark Murphy, the Packers CEO, spoke at the Packers annual shareholders meeting, and he said he's opposed to 18, but he was in favor of 17 and I actually got him on the phone because he did a session with reporters. I was at the beach. I was able to get him on the phone. He was on the record and he talked about 17. And that was the first time that 17 really emerged as the viable compromise to 18. And I asked him at the time, what about two bye weeks? And he said the networks don't want two bye weeks because what happens with two bye weeks, when you start giving teams off two weekends, you're diluting the product. You're diluting the weekends. You've got fewer games available. But you know what, Chris? Here's here's the attraction to having fewer games available. As we get to this moment where each game can be its own event, each game is an opportunity to bet for three hours, and and that's coming. I've said this. We've talked about it. The, The pandemic creating these extra windows by necessity You want as many, I believe, eventually for the NFL, as many standalone games as you can. So if you can take 
what would be 19 weekends with 18 games yeah. and make it 20 weekends right. in the regular season right. with 18 games. That's more opportunities to slow it down, carve out windows, and not have seven, eight, nine games being played at once, not have more than two or three games being played at once. So that may change. That attitude, and it's a, it's a, a justifiable attitude by the networks. We don't want the product to be diluted with two bye weeks. Maybe you do want it to be diluted because it doesn't matter at that point whether it's the Cowboys or pick a team no one wants to watch at any given time. It's just football on TV, yeah, sure. and we're engaged and yeah. we're excited because there's all these extra gaming opportunities that pop up around it. No, I, I mean, I, I, I get that. I mean, again, I think we got a little taste of that this year with COVID-19 and everything being spread out. I mean, it, it, yeah, okay, Sundays might have not been as, you know, crazy as what we're used to, but I thought, you know, I, I think you agree with this, the quality of being able to sit down and watch the game and get emotionally invested got better this year because the games were, were more spread out because there wasn't always like, you know, eight games at 1 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. You know, there was days where you went, wow, there's only five games here, six games. This is pretty good. I can manage Sunday afternoon, and I'm excited for Sunday night, Monday night. Oh, Tuesday night football this year and that type of stuff. Double header Monday night. Uh, I mean, I would think that there's, yes, some value into that, and especially to like what you keep saying with the, the, the you know, legal gambleized, uh, uh, legalized gambling. I almost said it. I said it in my own thing, even though I thought about it. That, that just makes too much sense. Even to me as a guy who doesn't gamble, I want to sit there and, and I, I, I would understand the thought of, man, this is awesome. Let me bet on this play, this game, and I'm all in on one game to get a feel for it. And, you know, you feel more invested in it that way. One of the most stressful, frustrating days of the year for me comes the first Sunday of the NFL season when you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for football to come back. And then at 1 o'clock Eastern on that Sunday – it's chaos yeah. with all those games starting at the same time. It's like, man, I'd really like to just watch that game. Well, what's going on in this game? I'd really like to just watch this game. Well, there's a game down here. I'd really like to watch that game. And I think that's where it's moving. More windows on Sunday. Early morning. I hope the so. The London game. I love that. Four windows on Sunday. Two on Monday. Tuesday. Wednesday. Maybe two on Thursday at some point. I'm telling you, this is where it's going. Saturday and Sunday, or Friday and Saturday, excuse me, are currently the only days that are off limits because of the broadcast antitrust exemption. I won't go down that rabbit hole. The bottom line is they can't do Friday and Saturday. They should. Labor Day weekend in mid-December. I, I feel like that, that, will, be, that will be changing ah. at some point. I think that will be changing. I, I hope They'll, not. I hope they don't go too far with that. I, you know, again, I want games every day of the week, but... You know, again, there you is. You just said it. You just said it. I know. You want games every day of the week. I do, but there's sense in having, you know, Friday and Saturday, there are games too. It's just okay. It's not NFL games. You know, Pete you, confirms Friday and Saturday are days of the week. Yeah, they are. They are days of the week, but they should be for high school and college football. That's still really important. And it's really important to the NFL too. That's the other thing. I mean, the NFL, they're, they're doing their damnedest to get young kids, play 60, do all that type of stuff to get out there and play football. We know there's still a stigma out there as far as parents and the fear of that. So I don't think they should squash, you know, community little league Friday, Saturday football by, you know, basically trumping it with, you know, the big show, the NFL on there during those times. That, that to me would be wrong that way. I mean, uh, I, I don't want to see that. Let college and, and well, high school have their time in the light. What about a Friday afternoon game? Now that the world has changed and so many people are working at home, what about a 1 o'clock Eastern Friday afternoon game? So the pro game is done in time for yeah, all the high school kids sense. to pack up their gear and go play their game. Of course, they're in school, but uh, you know they're not in the 18 to 49 right. uh, demographic group, and they're not, they're not gambling. They're not gambleizing, so they can miss the game. They can watch it later. But, uh, you know, I, I'm I, look – between gambling, the way society has changed as a result of the pandemic with so many people working at home, all bets are off at this point. And a new universe of opportunity has been unlocked. 17 games is just the start. It's going to become more creative, more aggressive, and the owners will eventually get what they want. It took about a decade 
They got what they wanted via the expansion of the regular season. As more and more money flows through the, the, the gates, thanks to gambling, they're going to want more, and they're going to get more. They're going to get more. They're going to get 18. They're going to get two bye well, weeks if they want two bye yeah, weeks. They're going right. to get more teams if they want more teams. I'm telling you, the, the gambling revenue, and it's, it's ironic, and we are using that word correctly here, because for decades, the NFL treated gambling like the bubonic plague. And now that it's legal, and now that it's waking up slowly but surely to all the different ways it can make money, this billion-dollar business becomes a trillion-dollar business in time. That's what they're looking at. Yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, yes, you're exactly right. I mean, it's all about, you know, the, the, the dollars. That, that I get. Now, you know, what I'd be interested to know, too, you know, and maybe you know this, just because this is something I didn't look up. I really didn't think about it. It kind of just came to me organically a little bit. But, you know, there was all this talk about player safety, player safety, player safety. Have the numbers shown over the last two years that player safety has improved? You know, I, I want to say yes, I, but I can't remember, like, off the top of my head right now because I wonder if that's something that was looked at here throughout this process for the owners to go, okay, wait, look, injury rates are down, player safety, we've helped it out. Now's the time to inject, you know, 17 games. Let's get to 17. And then we'll evaluate again and see if injury rate increases, the concussions increase, all those type of things. And maybe that's when they push for that 18th game. But I would imagine that that had something to do with this conversation too. The fact that there's been so much talk about that. It would have been insensitive to try to do the 17th game four or five years ago. And I want to say I feel like the numbers have come down, which can easily make the owners justify this move, you know, even better. This is a comment from Roger Goodell from July of 2019. Right. When 18 pivoted to 17. He was asked by CNBC about the push for 18 games. And the, here's the question. There seems like one of the sticking points is your push to 18 games. How do you address concerns about player injuries as well as the question about whether there could be just too much football. And he said, we always talk about how do we restructure our season? Is it the right structure with 16 regular season games and four preseason games? Should we look at expanding the playoffs? These are discussions we're having with the union. I think the steps we've made to make our game safer yeah. and better have worked tremendously well in collaboration with our players, but also in changing rules and equipment. We had a 30% reduction in concussions last year, 2018, and I think we can use that same model to reduce injuries for lower body. Right. So look and and that we, we've seen it every year there's this push make the game safer make the game safer make the game safer and it's from a humanitarian standpoint that's good because for too many years player health and safety it wasn't even an afterthought it wasn't on the radar screen. Not at all. But now that the path to getting more inventory is be obsessive about health and safety the league has an incentive to do it, and it's done it. And that makes it easier to say we want more because we think the game is safer. And, and really, Chris, those old games from when your dad played on the green cement and, and they beat the crap out of each other, go to YouTube. There's plenty of, of NFL officially licensed old games on there from yeah. the 80s and the 90s. The oh, level yeah. of brutality is shocking jarring, in comparison yeah. to today's game. So 16 games in that environment – Versus 17 or 18 in this environment, I think it's a night and day difference. And I, I'm, I'm just, I look, I understand the issues that arise and the wear and tear, but the wear and tear now is dramatically less on an average play basis than it was back in the 80s and 90s when they were killing each other. No, no doubt. The game was definitely not as brutal. I mean, when you watch those games, like you said, I mean, of course, there's, you know, the the defensive the defense alignment can drive the quarterbacks into the ground. You can hit them in the head. You know, you know anything over the middle goes throwing the football. Oh, what you took his head off? Up, oh, no big deal. It's a, he that was legal. Taking his head off is legal in this day and age. It was a totally different game. But the NFL has to continue on this path if they want to do eighteen games and add more teams like you're talking about. And that makes more players, which, of course, can water things down a little bit. They got to stay on top of, you know, injury rates and player health and all that, too. Because if you do get to 34 teams and now teams are a little bit more spread thin with high end talent and things like that, you know, that, that could hurt the product. So the NFL's done everything right. And I really applaud them. 
and I love what they're doing with kids and the community and everything like that. It's going in the right direction. I just want to make sure they stay on top of that. And, of course, like I talk about, just fairly compensate the players who are taking the ultimate risk here by getting in all these more car, car crashes now. A couple of other things before we take a break on this 17-game season. Starting in 2022, all teams will play host to an international game at least once every eight years. And NFL is likely to play games in Germany and South Africa wow. so, or South America, excuse me, not South Africa. That would be a that would be flight. some South trip. America, somewhat closer than South Africa. Uh, and also, also, as it relates to us, NBC, you know, th there was a flip flop of Super Bowls with CBS so that NBC could once again have this mega February Super Bowl Winter Olympics in the same month with the Super Bowl being pushed back because the season has expanded, the Super Bowl lands on the middle Sunday of the Winter Olympics, which is going to create awesome. some hectic times, and it's going to be awesome. And NBC's excited about it because you spend the whole first week of the Olympics promoting the Super Bowl. You spend the Super Bowl promoting the whole second week of the Olympics. It's the perfect fulcrum of the Winter Olympics to have the Super Bowl right there. So that will happen February 13, smack dab in the middle of the Winter Olympics in Beijing, the Super Bowl in L.A., and we will be there for that, and that will be I'm awesome. The first yeah. Super Bowl to cap the 17-game season. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Roger Goodell, who spoke to the media yesterday after the NFL owners officially expanded the season to 17 games, had some other things to say that are worth talking about. We'll talk about those things next here on VFT Live. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, those are the extra games that will be played in 2021. Interconference battles based upon division versus division and where you finished. For example, AFC West versus NFC North, first place versus first place. Hello, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Other than that one, Chris, which is clearly the best, which others stand out to you as games you can't wait to see? Games that, as of yesterday, were not going to happen. Gosh, well, I, I mean, look, look I, you know, you look at Seahawks, Steelers, that's exciting, Rams, Ravens. I mean, I, I, I mean, th th this to me is the cool part. You know, I mean, yeah, Cardinals, Browns, you get Baker versus Kyler, Kyler Murray, Murray, Baker Mayfield, right? former teammates. When when we interviewed Kyler Murray the year that he was deciding whether to play football or baseball, Baker Mayfield called him three times during the interview. So they have a very close, tight relationship, and they're going to square off for the first time ever. And, you know, that's the thing. You're guaranteed to play a team in the other conference once every four years. Yeah. But with this new approach – there are other opportunities to, play to see some that of them. team that yeah. you would only ever see once every four years. Right. And, and you know, not, not that it's always apples to apples, but, you know, at least we know we're going to get a few like, okay, yeah, they were the number one team in their division the year before versus, yes, the number one team in the division. And, you know, a lot of years that carries over to where those teams are the top one or two teams again in their division. Not, not to say that's foolproof, but I think this is the most exciting part you know, of this whole thing. The fact that we get 
this one little extra curveball matchup outside the regular formula to get excited about. And of course, yeah, Rodgers Mahomes is the marquee one that you look forward to. Well, and what we'll have now, without getting too far into the details of how they come up with the scheduling formula, every team that finished in first place in its division will play five games out of 17 against other first place teams. Now, it used to be four. Now, it is guaranteed five games for each first place team. Chiefs will play five first place teams. Packers will play five first place teams. That that's that, that adds a little extra fairness and equity sure. as we try to give a boost to the bad teams and make it a little bit harder. An enhanced degree of difficulty for the good teams and also good games. More yeah, good games to choose right. from, more compelling games to watch and put in prime time. And when the games are in prime time or in the afternoon this year, we, we apparently won't have to look at these broad swaths of empty seats like at Heinz Field where it's that that yellow you need sunglasses on a cloudy day in in Pittsburgh just to look at that that stadium the fans will be back Roger Goodell says they expect not partially full stadiums man not limited capacity full stadiums 2021 full stadiums coast to coast all teams full stadiums it's a long way away but and and right now you can't really say we're making progress because it's kind of gone the wrong way recently yeah. with the pandemic. But as more and more people get vaccinated, I'd like to think by Labor Day weekend, I, God, if we don't get this thing under control by then, we really are screwed. But I think there's reason for optimism that by the time September, October, November, December roll around, we'll be in a position where folks can go to these games. Enough people will be vaccinated. We'll be getting closer and closer to herd immunity, if not already there, by virtue of the vaccinations and uh, the other dynamics related to the pandemic. So hopefully he's right. Hopefully the expectations of the NFL, which has access to some of the best medical minds in the world, hopefully their prediction will come to fruition. They certainly don't seem afraid to like, you know, push the limits a little bit, you know, and, and I do think, you know, last year they even said at one point in the spring that, you know, they were expecting full stadiums. So they're always, I don't think they said that. No, I don't think they ever said last year, they expect full so? stadiums during the 2020 okay. season. All right. No, uh, Pete, Pete's, Pete's given us fake news. There were never reports that the NFL expected full stadiums. There was optimism that Maybe things that's would be gotten under control sure, by then, sure. that the testing methods would be better than they ended up being. It took a long time to develop the right kind of testing so you 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 could have confidence that the virus wasn't going to be spread around a locker room. I mean, the problem was the NFL did a far better job of limiting the spread of the virus than the rest of the world did. Definitely. I remember by the end of the season... You weren't worried about guys spreading it in the facility. No. What you were worried about was guys getting it when they left the facility. Yeah, no, you're right. That's that's where we were at. And I mean, like, you know, to what you said, Mike, it seems like we are going in the right direction to a degree. You know, I mean, yeah, the vaccines, herd immunity, all of that seems positive. I also think like, you know, the give a crap factor has also gone down a little bit too. I just do feel like people have kind of like uh, loosened up don't care or at their wits end with it a little bit too, to where that's, you know, causing some problems dangerous attitude. Yeah. Dangerous it attitude. Is. We don't endorse that. No, but I, I do, I do sense that more now, you know, than it's getting nicer out those type of things. So we'll, we'll see, but you know, I think the great thing is we'll get a good feel for how they handle the draft being outside in Cleveland that hopefully can be a little bit of a jump off spot to give everybody more confidence to be a part of those type of things. And uh, I don't know, Mike, I mean, what's your feel like? What's your gut tell you? You think that we can be full stadiums week one, you know, in September for NFL, NFL football? I, I think in places like Texas and Florida, no there doubt. will be, regardless yeah. of what's going on with the pandemic. Right. I think the question is in the states where politically it's been more locked down for good reason. Yeah. Because the the, the, the situation has been serious, continues to be serious. It's going to be a bit of a tougher sell. And I think part of the hope is that the NFL can speak it into existence in the states where the local and state governments may be less inclined to give the green light to have a full stadium. I think that is the pressure point to watch going forward. Let me make one observation too. You know, um, and, and I'm just going to say this. I'm not, I'm not making a political commentary. Nothing about this should be political. 
The fact that some states have ditched the mask requirement has made people in the states where the mask requirement is still in effect far less likely to comply. That's very unfortunate. Just because Texas and Alabama or wherever else is saying you don't have to wear a mask, you don't live in Texas or Alabama if you live in a state that says you have to wear a mask. But, Chris, I go out on a very limited basis still. I've had one Pfizer shot. I'm getting the other one tomorrow. I'm still very careful about where I go and what I do, and I always wear the mask uh, for myself and out of respect to everyone else. And I, I'm seeing when I go out and more and more people, yeah, the hell with the mask. And it's like, what? What? Wait a minute. Nothing's changed here in West Virginia. There's still a mask mandate, but I think as other states start saying no mask, people think, oh, what the hell? I don't need to wear it either. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are seeing that it's springtime. The weather's gotten nicer. People are all thinking, hey, guy, people are getting vaccinated. The world's healthier out there. Those type of things. I, I, I see it, too. Not that I see anything egregious, but, you know, I, you go down the street a month ago and everybody was wearing a mask. Now I feel like you could be walking down the street and you'll see a few people that, you know, they have a mask in their hand or they got a mask, but they're not wearing it right now because they're outside and they're just going to try to keep their distance and do that. You know, I mean, it, I, I mean, I understand some people are going to do that, but you're right. I mean, we're not out of this yet. And, you know, especially up here in this area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, you know, they've all the rates have gone up again here. So we'll see. I mean, we're certainly not out of this, uh, but but, you know, the, the vaccinations, the amount we're doing, that's all positive, And, you know, hopefully it will turn the corner here soon. All right. They got the full season in in 2020, which no one expected to happen. No one, even the most optimistic, would have never imagined all games being played. Now, there was some shuffling that had to be done, but all regular season games played, all postseason games played, capped by a Super Bowl in Tampa where the Buccaneers won. And when we return, you will see the permanent memorialization of that victory on the backside of Bruce Arians. Also, we'll talk about some other things Bruce Arians had to say in a session with the media on Tuesday. We'll talk about that when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Bruce Arians, there it is. Upper Man. left back, Super Woo! Bowl 55. Man of my word, when we win the Super Bowl, I will get a tattoo. Well, I got mine. I Love it. I would at least want mine in a spot where I can see it. He's never going to be able to see it. And even if you can somehow see it in a mirror, unless you do double mirror, it's going to be backward. Now, Chris, here's my challenge. Okay. Open challenge right. for Bruce Harris. Yeah. Boss move to get that after you win. Definitely. But you see where it is. It's kind of left side of the back. Right. Where would you want him to go, get it? No, I I'm saying let's go ahead and go and put Super Bowl 56 champs on there now. Call your shot now, Babe Ruth. Put it on there now. We've seen images over the years of fans. I remember the guy that had the Tennessee Titans AFC South champions. Like, what the hell? On his forearm. Yeah. And, they, of course, they didn't win the division right. that year. Right. Let's do it, Bruce. Go ahead and put the Super Bowl 56 tattoo on there now. Rip your shirt open and show it to the players at the first meeting. You want to keep them from getting complacent? You show them that you've already gotten it on your body what they're going to do. Uh, that mean, listen, is the he, ultimate He's possible. crazy. He's not that crazy, okay? That, that's that, He's not going to do that. That's not in a coach's DNA. But you're right. There's been some stupid people with that. Was that last year with the, the Browns kid, with the Browns Super Bowl tattoo? You know, was that like was two years ago when they year. got Odell, right? That was that one. I mean, those those are things that, like, we should have to relive. The internet should allow us to relive that. Like, hey, now we're reporting in on that weird guy who got that random tattoo two years ago. Hey, let's check in with him. Hey, how do you feel about your dumb tattoo you got two years ago? You know, what's your thoughts there? Uh, but really, where did you want Bruce Arians to get his tattoo? Seriously, do you want him to put it on his chest, on his pecs? or? Well, I, I would just I would want it in a spot where I could see it. And when it's on your upper back, you're not going to see it. You went through all that pain to have that thing put on your body and you never get to see it. I'd want to see it. I'd want a reminder. I'd want it like where a watch would be. I'd want to be able to, like right next to my wristwatch, I'd want the reminder that we won the Super Bowl. Wow. And then no matter okay, what mood I'm in, I look down and I see that and I feel pretty good yeah, about it. Yeah, I hear you there. I like that too. I mean, I'm with you. I'd want to see my tattoo too. Now, I mean, you. I don't know if you'd really do that, if you'd get it on your arm by your wristwatch. 
I mean, that, that really, I don't think you would flaunt it like that. I'm going to throw the challenge flag on that. Uh, but, but either way, it's bold of you to say. The, 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 the open invitation is there, Kirk Cousins. Super Bowl MVP. Come on, Kirk. Kirk Cousins. Tattoo. Make him do it. Um, th there have been some, some fun tattoos over the years. And look, people get all sorts of crazy tattoos if they can get a football tattoo. And so what if it happens to be a prediction that turned out being wrong on their body? It will always be a correct prediction so maybe that's what you should do if you're a long-suffering fan of a team that's never going to win a super bowl just go ahead and get the tattoo anyway and every time you look at your arm you can fool yourself into thinking that it actually did happen how about bruce arians talking about antonio brown let's play that sound if we have that ready bruce arians regarding the possibility of brown returning seven key free agents are back brown is still available here's the question he was asked and his answer I know you guys have talked with Antonio Brown. There's a couple outside options as well. How quickly do you see um, that getting answered and, and, and figured out here with you guys? Yeah, I would, you know, I, it's going to take our time and uh, you know, there's offers out there and um, we'll see how it goes. Offers out there. Now offers out there. That's intriguing to me. Does that mean they've, they've, they've put off several different concepts like, what like hey Antonio? We can do this on a one-year deal. We can do this on a multi-year deal. Like yes. Three-year, two-year. Yeah, we've got offers out there. You let us know what you want to do. Right. And I think if they've done that, you know, it, it maybe it's non-negotiable. It's just like hey, you pick what you want on the menu, but the menu is what the menu is. Yeah, I I, I would think so. I mean, again, I don't think this is something like the Buccaneers are going to fret about and be like, oh man, our team is not the same without Antonio Brown. So they make an offer. They probably feel like, listen, what what else you got out there? You know, that that's going to be the big thing. Is anybody really going to roll the dice and take the chance on Antonio Brown? I have a hard time thinking like maybe, you know, I could see maybe Seattle doing that. But again, if you're not, not going to have Russell Wilson and you might trade him in the next five weeks and probably don't want to do that. I just think there's limited options. I expect at some point that he signs back with the Bucks. Here, here's the concern. He's still got that pending civil lawsuit right. in Florida alleging sexual assault and rape. It's not going to trial until December, but at some point he's going to testify. And if he performs in that deposition in advance of trial, like he did in the deposition in that that trashing of the luxury apartment lawsuit, it's going to be a disaster, and that's going to happen at some point sooner than later, and that's not going to be good for whoever is employing him. We'll be right back. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.